0: You're listening to the GamesIndustry.biz podcast. I'm James Batchelor, and I'm joined this week by Brendan Sinclair,
1: Rebecca Valentine,
2: Marie D'Alessandri.
0: and we have a new voice. Marie, welcome aboard.
2: Well, thank you, guys. I'm very honoured to join you today.
0: We've uh, we've got you on the team now. We I, I don't know if we can fully explain what you're doing. You're working on a sort of semi-secret project. A semi-secret, project um, semi-secret project that some people know about some people don't know about to the point where we don't know if anyone knows about it but all should become clear in the next few weeks marie is on board to help us with this and also it's always good to have another person on the team so marie thank you very much for joining us well thank you we have got a very difficult discussion this week no not that difficult i guess we just have a very a very hot topic the hottest of hot topics this week and Anyone who's been even vaguely following the news can have a wild stab at what it might be. Blizzard, following an esports tournament for Hearthstone, uh, decided to punish a player for expressing his support for the Hong Kong protests. Um, Chung blitzchung Chung Wei, and I may well have got that pronunciation wrong, and I apologise to Mr Chung for that, um, was competing in the Hearthstone Grandmasters uh, and at the end of a video interview he said, Liberate Hong Kong, revolution of our age. In response, Blizzard has removed him from the competition, he will not receive any prize money he has earned and he is not allowed to participate in Hearthstone Esports for at least a year. Um, the two people who were interviewing Ng have been fired, or essentially just they will not work with Blizzard again. And... Um, and this has not gone down well, to put it mildly. I mean, Marie, actually, you've been covering this uh, extensively, I mean, at the risk of putting you on the spot. what? Are, <laughs> yeah, what's, what's the fallout been?
2: Uh, well, it's been quite the fallout, actually, internationally. Um, there's been reactions from U.S. senators to, well, um, smaller, Hearthstone competitions with other players displaying signs showing support to Hong Kong protests To uh, Tim Sweeney also reacted um, to the story saying that um, Epic would never um, remove a player for displaying their political belief. So it's been it's been quite the controversy for for most of the week really. There was a new update every every hour something new coming out, um, casters have um, withdraw themselves from um, the Grand Masters Finals, which will be at BlizzCon in only three weeks now. So surely there will be also an impact on BlizzCon. It is, it is quite unsure at the moment what the impact will be, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if BlizzCon doesn't go down as well as Blizzard expect it to be.
0: We should emphasise at this point that the story is ongoing. We're currently recording it on Friday, October 11th. This issue, sorry, this episode should be out on Monday, October 14th. So more may have happened over the uh, weekend, and we will try and update this episode if we can. In fact, let's update you now. This is James. I'm still here with Marie. We're recording on Monday, the 14th of October, because after our episode was recorded, uh, Blizzard released a statement on it on the, the whole incident. Um, I'm not going to read the full statement. You can find that over on GI. But a few choice quotes, um, they said that eSports exists to create opportunities for players around, from around the world from different cultures, from different backgrounds to come together to compete and share the passion for gaming. All of that so far quite hyperbolic, but it was. it's extremely important for us to protect these channels and the purpose they serve. So the biggest concern was that he went off topic. Um, they later said the specific views expressed by Blitzchung were not a factor in the decision we made. I want to be clear, this is President J. Allen Brack talking uh, in the statement, I want to be clear our relationships in China had no influence on our decision. We have these rules to keep the focus on the game and on the tournament to the benefit of the global audience, and that was the only consideration in the actions we took. If this had been the opposing viewpoint delivered in the same devices and deliberate, uh, deliberate way, we would have felt and acted the same. More on that in a second because I doubt that. Um, Blizzard did actually reduce the punishments, um, so will receive his prize money that he had earned. His ban from the Hearthstone Pro Circuit has been reduced from one year to six months. Brack finished off, or rather, the last thing I will put is. Um, he admitted that, in hindsight, our process wasn't accurate, and adequate, and we reacted too quickly. Uh, he said, there is a consequence for taking the conversation away from the purpose of the event and disrupting or derailing the broadcast. Now, I'm going to briefly say here, I don't think one brief expression of your political views is derailing the broadcast. If he'd gone off on a full-blown spiel, and you know, a like massive lecture about it, perhaps, but...
2: Yeah, I agree. I think I think it's good for Blizzard to have addressed the issue and to have reduced the punishments. But I think six months is still quite a long ban. Um, I think no ban would have been better. But um, Blitstrong has since reacted to Blizzard's statement to saying he's grateful for um, the publisher having reduced the sanction. Um, he still says that six months is still quite a lot. Uh, that he's not sure if he's gonna keep competing in the Hearthstone uh, competitive scene going forwards. And he also he was also hoping that Blizzard was gonna reconsider the punishment against the casters because Blizzard has uh, turned the sanction against the casters into a six months suspension. Um, but uh, Chang was still hoping that this was gonna be removed as well. Um, We have reached out to Blizzard for more comments on that. Um, I was going
0: to add that um, Riot Games has... So (laughs) just before we recorded, Riot Games had come out and they'd done that. Later in the episode, you'll hear us discuss um, Riot saying that they weren't telling their broadcasters to avoid saying the word Hong Kong, because one of the teams is called Hong Kong Attitude after we recorded, about an hour or so after it recorded, they actually came out and said, we we're actively broad- briefing people not to discuss the incident, because again, people are kind of very much distancing themselves from this sort of thing. Um, so the joys of an ongoing story, obviously. Um, a question for you, Marie, though, because I, I want to see, see if I'm reading this wrong. Like, the the statement here, like if uh, from Breck, if this had been the opposing viewpoint, so say he'd been um, to speaking out against the Hong Kong protesters, uh, if it had been delivered in the same devices, uh, divisive and deliberate way, we would have felt and acted the same. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's I true. I don't yeah. think that's true for a minute. Like,
2: <laughs> yeah, Blizzard has said that the Chinese interest had nothing to do with uh, its decision, which I mean, you can believe or not believe. I personally believe that it, that's not necessarily true. I think with, with, with Tencent owning nearly 5% of Blizzard, this has to have an impact in some ways. Um, and I, I truly believe that if the statement had been the opposite, I think no one would have even picked up on the story. Like this would yeah. not have been a thing. Like people probably wouldn't have heard about it. It wouldn't have passed the borders of the games industry, and and we would be talking about something else right now probably.
0: As we'll go on to discuss later in the episode, like this is this is something that Blizzard is going to be facing for a long time. There's a lot of speculation about uh, BlizzCon a little bit later on. Um, we do have now have confirmation that there are protest groups planning to attend BlizzCon and protest against this decision, regardless of the fact that it's the, uh, the sentence has been reduced, as it were. Um, but yeah, this is, the, this is the joys of ongoing stories. Um, yeah. But that's that's the up-to-date info. Now back to Friday's version of me yes. talking about the the potential long-term fallout.
2: Yes, yeah, I, I hope we've not said the complete opposite of what we've just said on Friday, but I guess people will find out now. <laughs>
0: This has uh, this has really shaken up the industry this week it, it's um, gone um, beyond um, the
2: industry it made it to my local yeah. news
1: my local news in the middle of the. US Midwest like what
0: <laughs> it's it's mad it's uh, I I th- swear I saw vice referring to it as an international incident which I think might be a
3: slightly strong way of of wording it it's one of those but things it certainly that, has like you say the phrase and it's like, that's ridiculous. And then you look at what the phrase actually literally says and it's like, Oh no. Okay. This qualifies.
1: I would also say it might, I mean, that might be an accurate descriptor. I think especially, and I, I don't know a ton about this because I don't follow sports, but it seems to be happening in tandem with a similar incident going on in the NBA as well. Right. And I think those two, those two things combined, the the sports world and the video game world all being mad collectively about kind of the same topic is making this even bigger than it would have otherwise been.
2: I think I absolutely agree with that. I think I think the NBA incident from that's been going on for a few weeks now, and now video games also being impacted by that type of of things uh, really is why it's making it to the mainstream press as well at the moment. It's it's like kind of impacting different aspects of everyone's like like between sports and video games it pretty much covers the entire population at this point <laughs> so i think that's also why people are reacting to it
3: it's the the nba thing is is interesting i think because i've seen a lot of criticism directed their way but i think it's interesting how different they handled this uh from from what blizzard did in in the nba the uh, the gm of the houston rockets which has been one of the like Big teams for the Chinese market, I think, ever since Yao Ming played for them. Uh, but the GM of, of that team uh, tweeted out something about, you know, um, just s- expressing kind of support for the, the protests and the protesters. And then the league's statement in response to it was um, he does not speak for the NBA or the Houston Rockets. Uh, we want all of our people to express themselves, but we want them to educate them themselves on matters before they speak. And it wasn't directly like undermining the GM. There was no fine placed on him, no suspension of any sort. If you look at literally what their, what their statement said, it was completely innocuous, I guess it wasn't, necessarily taking a side with China against this GM. It was just sort of clarifying lines. And then you look at what, what blizzard did and the blizzard thing happened so soon after that broadcast that I'm, I, I, I would be shocked if it were the result of, of actual like uh, s- state pressure on on blizzard from from China or anything it's it seemed to be a a proactive like oh we are so sensitive to this we will will correct ourselves overcorrect ourselves whenever someone says anything that could possibly be construed as as a uh, as a knock on China
0: yeah it's it's a knee jerk reaction and overcorrection gone very out of hand like i've seen I, obviously because Tencent, the Chinese giant, has a 4.9% stake in Activision Blizzard. That has obviously you know triggered the conspiracy theories that you know that China has forced them to do this. That um and Blizzard has been described as taking a very kind of pro-China stance. I don't think it has it did take a pro-China stance. It just I think it was just absolutely paranoid and, and panicked about seeming to take a pro-Hong Kong stance. And it's just kind of gone a little too far in what it on what it did, and it's just backfired massively. It kind of goes back to the conversation we've been having for a while now about how video game publishers are so determined to not get involved in political discussions that they end up getting involved in political discussions. This is this is the 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 epitome of that. They basically trying to, you know, they're trying to distance themselves. They try too hard to distance themselves from from him to seem neutral, to seem like he's not he's not you know that's not part of this event we're not we're not allowing political expression during um our hearthstone events in an attempt to seem neutral and the result is now everyone thinks they work for china and it's it's yeah it's uh not worked out too well from him whoever made that decision because i also highly doubt it was a decision l- discussed for any length lengthy amount of time by management whoever made that decision is almost certainly in deep shit now <laughs>
1: It is fascinating the the lengths to which publishers will go to, to kind of stay out of this. I thought it was really fascinating that Tim Sweeney did step up and say something. I assume because he's he's rather used to, used to being kind of vocal on Twitter. I think when when people try to corner him on the ten cent nonsense, yeah. Um,
0: I saw that as him preempting because yeah. we, we've already earlier this year with the Epic Game Store, I was like, right, well, Epic is, I think, uh, 40% of Epic is owned by Tencent and Tencent have got charged to the Chinese government. Therefore, the Epic Game Store is just spying on you for the Chinese government. So I think Tim was watching this and going, right, I think I see where this is going. This is definitely going to come back to us at some point. Let's get this. Let's nip this bud in, in you know,
1: now. Yeah, well, I, I reached out to eight other publishers uh, who all either run in whole or in part uh, video game tournaments that are played on an international level, esports tournaments of some kind, and asked them basically for the same kind of thing that people were asking Tim Sweeney for, like, what would you do in this situation? And so far, of those eight, I have gotten one will get back to you and one no comment.
3: Yeah, yeah. Like, this is yeah. <laughs> this whole thing seems like the, the games industry wants to have its cake and eat its too in a whole bunch of different angles. Like, we spent the last... 20 years almost more than uh now like really just kind of hammering home the importance of free speech uh because of the violence debates so every every gamer that's grown up in the industry is kind of like had it hammered home just how sacred this this right to free speech is okay. and and We've also been chasing esports. We've modeled so much after traditional sports, and I don't know if you have noticed, but traditional sports tend to have a political angle to them uh, a, a whole lot. Especially when you spend your time like trying to build up individual athletes as people for the masses, the the, the fans to care about. From time to time, those athletes will have something more to say than wanting to give 110 percent and leave it all out on the field. And on top of that, we've also pushed so heavily to this to, to the idea of games as a social platform, as you know, the water cooler for for relationships to gather around and for for people to live their lives, you know, just kind of circling, uh, orbiting around these games. And you can't have a social space like that without it also being a political space like like people don't just kind of you know sequester off the political aspect of their lives not reliably not across the board to to keep a purely social this is just for fun and hanging out and you know our political beliefs will never come into this so like we've we've just sort of we've been pushing to this this is kind of a a natural extension of everything that's happened before and the industry has just sort of instead of kind of embracing it as an inevitable sort of part of your growth it it's just looked to to stop it every step of the way even though this is like exactly what you've been pushing it's frustrating for. to me
1: it is it is definitely fascinating how big the backlash has been been at least how how big it seems to have been from just the general blizzard audience um reddit so the, the blizzard subreddit had to be set to private because people just would not stop making threads about it and i know i know that was just a single day reaction i know we know people who play video games and talk about the video games on the internet have a history of, you know, very mild, even reactions to things. Um, so, but, but it, it does it's seem, quite... yeah,
2: it does seem to, no, sorry, I was just going to say, it was just quite interesting though, that the the Hearthstone subreddit, there hasn't been closed only the Blizzard one and that Hearthstone subreddit is still being filled with posts reacting Sorry I interrupted you, it's just I thought it was interesting that they only put to private the the Blizzard Reddit and not uh, the actual game that was um, concerned here.
1: Yeah, um, I know that the World of Warcraft and I think maybe one of the other uh, not Hearthstone subreddits had to be, like, everybody had to be kind of ushered into a single thread for that because they couldn't, they were trying to delete things because they didn't have to do with the game they were talking. Anyway, it it was a whole moderation mess. Um, I wonder how long this momentum is going to last i am curious if it is going to kind of peter out or if blizzcon again which is in just you know a couple weeks is going to be a place where we see protests because i think blizzard has really put themselves in a really terrible position for themselves right now because they they cannot walk this back they Even if I I agree with James's thought that they probably saw this happen and panicked, I I don't think there was anybody whispering over their shoulder telling them to do it. They just freaked out and made a decision and that decision has had unintended consequences. But they have now put themselves in a situation where they are going to have all sorts of people holding up liberate Hong Kong signs and wearing Winnie the Pooh costumes at BlizzCon on camera and doing all kinds of things that that are really not great for their image in China probably. And they are gonna be really hard to keep that off of their live streams of blizzcon and all the tournaments they're doing there and all that other stuff they've had multiple casters i think step out of the grand finals at this point um like they it's clear where the sentiment of the community is and i i don't think they're gonna let that go at blizzcon i think we're gonna see some really interesting protests there if blizzard doesn't do something to curb Mm -hmm. them beforehand
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I have to say, I'm really impressed because, you know, we thought the fallout from a Diablo mobile game being announced at BlizzCon was bad. They've really kind of played the longer, they've they've prepared this year's BlizzCon with a whole new controversy before it's even started.
2: Yeah, (laughs) I'm also very, very curious to see if Blizzard's employees are going to react a bit more strongly than they have in the past couple of days. So there's been like a, a small, smallish walkout organized, uh, staged by Blizzard employees just a couple of days after um, everything uh, kicked off. But it was only like a dozen, 30 people who uh, came out of the office with umbrellas gathered in front of that massive Orc statue that's in front of uh, Blizzard's HQ. Um, so dozen, 30 people is really not a lot compared to how many people work at Blizzard. So I'd be curious to see if in the run-up to BlizzCon, there will be more of that, or if we can expect, expect people to do things at BlizzCon again, um, Blizzard's employees. Um, though I suspect that not much will come out from the inside. Though I absolutely agree with Rebecca, and I think we should expect uh, Blizzard's fans, Blizzard's users to, to gather at BlizzCon and probably show that they're not quite happy with with this and how harsh the the whole thing is because like i think it's also become this whole big thing because of how harsh the the thing is like they not only removed the guy from the, the Grandmasters, they cancel his pricing and ban him for an entire year which i really can't get over like it, an entire year without being able to compete in one is your main source of income I think is really really harsh
0: yeah absolutely there's also this speculation and we are getting into a little bit of speculation here but the speculation as to how this is going to impact activision Blizzard as a whole i actually spoke to the bbc earlier this week because they were writing a story you know around the time that this all was coming out call of duty mobile has uh, arrived and it's you know, 100 million downloads in the in the first week biggest for any kind of mobile game ever Modern warfare is coming up. There are big hopes for that, and um, he, you know, and amongst all this, you've obviously got hashtag boycott Blizzard going on. And the, you know, the the BBC reporter was asking me like, you know, is this going to impact Call of Duty? Now, I personally don't think it will because I've I i do not person I I don't remember I don't recall any kind of consumer boycott like this that has ever actually made a consumer that has made a commercial impact on a company or a game's release, but. It does tarnish the, the the narrative around Modern Warfare coming out because there is that connection between Activision and Blizzard in that they are the same company. I grant you the vast majority of Call of Duty fans won't know that because vast majority of Call of Duty fans probably don't even follow industry news or games news in general. They just pick up the new Call of Duty each Christmas. But it will be interesting to see if the if the, the fallout from all this spills beyond just BlizzCon, which is primarily a fan event, to Activision's wider business going up into Q4.
2: I agree with you in, in, in the sense that I don't think, unfortunately, that most people will make the connection between between the new Call of Duty and, and Blizzard, uh, because as you said, most people will just pick up the new Call of Duty because you can find it everywhere, including in your local um, supermarket, and you don't have to be informed about what's happening in the games industry to know that the new Call of Duty is coming out. Um, so, yeah, I actually absolutely agree with you. But yeah, I don't think a lot of people knew that connection yeah, I th- or care about that connection.
1: <laughs> I suspect they may see some on the Blizzard side. I I don't think there's going to be a huge kind of impact business-wise on the Call of Duty kind of more Activision side of things. I I don't. I I think the gaming community at large is pretty upset. I think most of the upsetness is coming from the Blizzard community because, and I I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I I'm i love world of warcraft i play a, a crap ton of world of warcraft or did before this week i don't really know what i'm gonna do now um i've played lots of hearthstone in the past i played lots of heroes of the storm back in the day and the blizzard has accomplished something with by putting all of their i, I know a lot of people have you know a lot of pu- publishers have their own launchers but by blizzard having their kind of battle.net launcher and by constantly doing crossovers between all their games and all kinds of like reward systems and things like that they really have managed to cultivate a pretty well intertwined community. Like, yeah, of course, there are you know tons and tons of people who only play one of their games. But within the games, like World of Warcraft and Hearthstone and Starcraft and uh, Diablo, there there's a ton of crossover, and those communities tend to be very aware of each other. So they have upset not just the Hearthstone community, but also all of the other kind of very Blizzard focused communities that they have. And I think, yeah, like the, there's there's kind of a movement. I I know there was a thing going around where people were. A large volume of people were trying to cancel their World of Warcraft subscriptions, and there was, you know, maybe some confusion about that. Um, I, I don't think this is going to end up having like a hard sales numbers impact necessarily, but I do think that seeing some of the top talent drop out of the Hearthstone Grandmasters and having people, you know, holding up signs that Blizzard maybe doesn't want held up on live streams and having people generally be disruptive either in their in their the streams of matches in their esports events or at their you know larger events like BlizzCon I think that's going to have more of an impact and more of a thing that makes them go oh no we we need to address this somehow I don't know how they address it though because at this point I think if they try to backpedal then China China may not have, you know, it might have have just blown over before if they had done nothing or only done something small. But I think at this point, if they try to backpedal on this decision, um, people in China are going to be unhappy. And I I don't know which backlash would honestly be worse for them. I have no idea.
3: I'm also wondering about the, the impact on Blizzard developers. Because uh, it seems like for a year and a half now, we've we've been hearing reports about how Activision executives basically applying their, you know, their processes and their philosophy that worked at Activision to to Blizzard. Uh, for the longest time, it was sort of like these are two separate things. Blizzard is successful, so we let them run in their own way, no matter how much money that wastes, and. There's been some some grousing and some high profile departures, including Moorham, Mike Moorham himself, um, in in the last year or two. That, that sort of the indications are that that Blizzard is starting to run more like Activision, and if you have you have developers that are already kind of um, upset with that, and then they see the management decision on uh, this Blitzchung thing, like that's. That's not going to be good for, for employee morale. It's, it's probably not going to be great for, for recruiting new people to come and work for Blizzard. I mean, there will always be developers that, that give their right arm to work at the place that does Warcraft and Starcraft and Diablo. But will it be the, the same quality of, of employee that they were able to command uh, years ago? And that's sort of a, a less quantifiable longer-term threat, I suppose, to to the company.
1: Yeah, I think one of the really kind of punchy and depressing things that the employees did during their protest is they have that orc statue out in front of Blizzard's headquarters, and it has, you know, Blizzard's values on these plaques kind of surrounding it. And as part of the protest, they covered up uh, the values, think globally, and every voice matters. And I think that really tells you where a certain group of employees heads are at. And it's sad like that they're not wrong.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And that's the thing for for the, for the 30 or so people who actually walked out, you kind of already know there are, are, you know, twice, maybe three times as more who want to, or, or share that sentiment, but maybe don't have the, not courage that that's making them sound cowardly, but like don't want to risk being involved in the walkout as well, but absolutely share the sentiment. Right. So yeah, I'm certainly, it's certainly intrigued to see. Yeah, it, Brendan's right; it's going to impact their ability to recruit in a while. Although, given that what's it, Activision Blizzard have laid off 800 people, like what nine months ago, um, mm-hmm. I don't know how much of a recruitment drive they're on at the moment.
1: Yeah, apparently they are on a recruitment drive because wasn't the whole thing they they laid off a bunch of people and then they started hiring again for like different kinds of positions. I mean, it. Oh yeah. They, their press has not been good this year. Blizzard is having a year.
0: Yeah. Just, just I'm intrigued to see how... As we've said, like I highly doubt this is going to calm down by BlizzCon. It is not going to calm down by BlizzCon. But I'm, I'm intrigued to see how it affects other companies. Because as we say, this has gone beyond Blizzard. This has gone beyond the uh, games industry. And other companies now are just increasingly sensitive about this. So um, Fortnite obviously have preemptively come forward. Epic, sorry. Epic have come forward and said, right, no... We would never have done this. You can play Fortnite and you can say whatever the hell you want in Fortnite, Preempting the whole, well, you're in China's pocket as well. Riot Games um, came out, I think it was last night or, or within the last 24 hours. Um, there was confusion over... Uh, The League of Legends World Championships is going on at the moment. And in a uh, broadcast, a live broadcast, a few of the hosts were trying to avoid... It seemed to be trying to avoid saying Hong Kong Attitude, which is a team. There's a Hong Kong esports team called Hong Kong Attitude. And they kept on changing it mid-sentence to HKA, which is its... uh, it's it's acronym it's kind of a you know, it's official abbreviation riot um had to actually officially come out and say look no we have not told anyone to not say the word hong kong like which is absurd but like but the the guy who released that statement he said like you know my personal take is like Everyone obviously is very sensitive about this. We obviously didn't bro- brief our broadcasters enough. So the broadcasters, the casters probably thought, oh, mustn't say Hong Kong because Riot is entirely owned by Tencent. The same giant games company that has its, you know, clause in Epic and its clause in um, Blizzard. Clause is a very, a, a very strong analogy there. I apologize. Has a stake in Epic, a stake in Blizzard. Um so probably thought, oh, I have to avoid saying this. But that's just one example. I, you know, so as, as our uh, contributing editor, Rob Fahey, pointed out, so so many games companies, major games companies, now have investment or links to China, particularly through Tencent, but also from NetEase and other partners out there. I imagine like so many of them are now going to be u- uber-conscious as to what they can and can't say. Simple things like... Um, I'm interviewing I'm writing up an interview that's uh, going out Monday and uh, the two chaps I interviewed they talked about how they first discussed the thing they're working on in China and just my just the journalist instinct is like oh China hang on is there sensitivity here like that's how hyper aware people have become of the situation so I'm intrigued to see how it affects other companies in the weeks
3: ahead it's Rob's editorial, uh, Publishers Risk Being Trapped Between the U.S. and China, is is fantastic. I, I think it's something that I've always kind of been baffled by, um, watching all these publishers go into China, partnering with, with Chinese companies, having, you know, understanding that they are in some ways under the control of the whims of the Chinese government when, when they do that. And I understand it's huge untapped market, so they're they're chasing growth. But all these companies that are publicly traded, they're they're also, you know, they're they're creating something that they that they absolutely need later on. Like you can get in there, but once you're in there, you know, are are you are you able to walk away from this at, at any point, or do you do you need to be completely beholden to keeping that that foothold in China because? if that revenue disappears overnight one day, you know, your shareholders and and your stock price won't won't tolerate that. So they've they've sort of gotten their own you know, addiction going here. They they're now they're they're stuck and they are uh, China doesn't have to do much here. It doesn't doesn't actually have to flex its muscles because all these publishers are so terrified at the prospect of losing any of any of that revenue, of, of you know having such a significant setback uh, of not having a foothold in China any longer, that they will they will do ridiculous things on their own. They will jump through the hoops with no prompting from China itself in order in order to protect those revenues. And that's you know that's how you get things like the the League of Legends broadcasters refusing to even say the name of one of the teams. So it's, it's, it's a self-inflicted wound here. And, you know, like, like Rob says, I've got, I've got no, no sympathy for these, these companies that, um, you know, they chased this position. They, they absolutely like, this was kind of the goal and this is a predictable outcome of that. So, I don't, I, you dug
0: this hole, now dig out of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good luck. And um, because it, it doesn't, it doesn't help that it's it's combined with yeah, like um, as you say, companies are jumping through these hoops themselves with no prompt from China in order to you know, improve their position in China, improve their appeal in China, and that doesn't help when it's combined with the fact that there is a strong anti-Chinese sentiment among the more vocal elements of the gaming community. So an example I thought of earlier this week and was quickly you know brought back to the fore in my Twitter mentions earlier was when Ubisoft obviously tried to make it some uh, aesthetic changes to Rainbow Six Siege to make it suitable for the Chinese market so just removing things that the Chinese market would have been offended um, by and gamers lost their minds and properly complained and Ubisoft actually went back and reverted those changes. I wrote an opinion piece and I stress it was an opinion that I didn't think they needed to do that. I don't think you need to give in to those complaints when the changes were just aesthetic. I had, this morning, I had someone on Twitter um, saying, oh, well, I see you're uh, retweeting stuff about Blizzard um, and why Blizzard shouldn't have uh, capitulated to Chinese censorship. That kind of flies in the face of your opinion. It's like, no, that's that's a completely different subject. That's, like, that's a completely different circumstance but that that's my, my point that piece was what a year two years ago and that still has stuck with someone that 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 still is is annoying people in the rainbow six community that ubisoft dared to try to remove some vending machines or some neon signs from its uh online deathmatch arenas to appeal to china like you've got these companies who are as brendan says trying their best to appeal to the world's largest games market while the rest of the world is getting pissed off about it.
1: Yeah, and I mean, we can. There's definitely been a a rising of some real bad faith. I, I mean, I I agree. I'm obviously in the camp of Blizzard. What the hell are you doing? Um, Absolutely, in this, in this same here, I... um, But there there is a contingent of people on the internet who are. I mean, I'll I'll just say what it is. Like, who are real racist against China, and this is a really good argument for them to get mad about and try to you know spread this whole idea that anything remotely related to China is bad. I mean, we've seen this we've seen this going on all year with the Epic Games Store thing. People think that because Tencent has a stake in Epic Games that is somewhat larger, um, they think that Epic is just controlled by the Chinese government and so therefore anything to do with the Epic Games Store is bad. And it's just this this horrible stupid view. And there is a massive canyon of difference between a game company making slight changes to the aesthetic of a game to be more culturally acceptable in a particular market and a company deliberately taking away prize money and kicking a guy out of a tournament and an esport for a year
0: exactly. because Punishing. he had a
1: political... There's, there's,
0: no other, there's no other word for it. They apples and fucking him rocks, for man. Ex- ex- <laughs> yes, apples and rocks, spot on.
2: <laughs> I think in all of this also highlights like the increasing massive disconnect there is between what game companies are trying to achieve on one side and what the games community on the other side think they are doing. It's it's a bit ridiculous that there, there are more and more ways to keep yourself informed about what is happening in the world. And yet it still seems like no one is listening to each other and no one realizes what people are trying to achieve. And as you guys have also pointed out, I am very much on the side of saying, what the fuck are you doing, Blizzard? But at the same time, you do need to understand commercial things that are at stake and not immediately jump on the conspiracy theory and being like, oh yeah, this company is now managed by the Chinese government. I just think it's it's more and more ridiculous this disconnect there is between the community on one side and the games industry on the other side that we've seen with Blizzard, but we've seen it with epic all year as well um and i don't think it's going to get any better unfortunately
3: yeah well we were expressing earlier surprise at, at how this has blown up in the way that it has um and i think part of that is because this is an issue that everyone can be upset about it is it is in an era of divisive politics this is one where where the right wingers can be like we don't we're we're we dislike china maybe we're we're racist or xenophobic um maybe we we just don't like a communist state maybe you know maybe it's an actual free speech uh issue where it's you know justified the the outrage about free speech as as opposed to you know like sony changed the cover art on this jrpg when it came over (laughs) um and then and then on the left you've got you know a, a corporation that is silencing uh a you know political action political speech on on the part of a a customer at the seeming behest or the you know imagined behest of an authoritarian government. And it's kind of like, this is one thing that everyone can get upset about. So we can all get upset about it together. And that's, I don't know, that's refreshingly uh, a change of pace from most of the discourse controversies we have in this industry.
0: All eyes are on Blizzard now, all eyes are on BlizzCon. Um, It will be very, very interesting to see how, or if, they can get out of this political uh this this position they're in um and and as rob said in his piece like you know the, the reputational damage has been done this will take a while to recover from
1: well if overwatch 2 and diablo 4 are cool enough maybe this will all blow over
0: In considerably lighter news this week, Ubisoft has teamed up with American film producer Adi Shankar again, and they are making a TV series, an animated TV series, on a well-known Ubisoft property, Far Cry 3. Specifically, Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. The new series uh, will be aimed at young adults and will be called Captain Laserhawk, a Blood Dragon vibe. A title that only, the only effect that title had, has on me is, reminds me I should have played Blood Dragon, which I never did. Um they uh, they are also talking, Ubisoft are looking at doing other animated shows. They want to create a multiverse uh, around the Rayman franchise, inevitably involving the Rabbids. They want to do uh, animated series based on Hungry Shark, which are absurdly popular. They want to do a toned down Watch Dogs cyber mystery series for teenagers. And I swear I saw specifically for people 10 to 13. And that one to me is the weirdest Um because Did you see the
1: art, like the poster for that that was in the I, Hollywood I've Report seen, article? I've seen
0: something, yeah. It's all kind of like very kind of Saturday morning cartoon kind of vibe, like it's but, the most
1: non watchdogs thing I have seen in my life.
0: But that's the thing, this is what gets me. These are that that's a mature this is an and I'm gonna go off on a tangent here. This is another example of a mature franchise. Cause watchdogs is what, an eighteen? It's definitely a, a 16 at least, but I thought it was an 18. Um, it's an 18, and then you're doing marketing around it, or because like, that's essentially what a TV show is. It's marketing for children. So you are, by extension, marketing an 18-rated game to children by indoctrinating them with a TV series, and they're oh, yeah, I love that TV show. I'm going to play the Watchdogs game. Oh, no, I can't. I'm 18. Oh, it's all right. Dad will let me. And just that... It's the whole Call of Duty Mega Bloks toys thing. You know, it's just... That oh, just winds me up.
2: I guess that's where the toned down bit is important in, in the case of Watch Dogs. Yeah. Like, I guess the toned down bit is, oh, let's make it so it can be watched by teenagers. Though I absolutely agree with you. It then raises the question of, oh, I've really enjoyed that series. Can I play the video game now? Or oh, no, I can't. So that is That's that the thing. Is weird. If you did
0: a toned down car- Saturday morning cartoon version of the Saw films... Would that be
3: acceptable?
2: Yeah, <laughs> that is awful. No, please do not mention that ever again. Please.
3: So it's it's gross. I, I, I mean, and the industry has done this for for years and years. Um, I remember being at a conference where someone who worked on Assassin's Creed was talking about how, hey, why can't we do a Lego Assassin's Creed? That would be great. Introduce kids to the brand, and then they can grow up and play the the older one. And and they don't the industry just doesn't see this as an issue. They don't get why it's, you know, really uh, a bad look for a, an industry that has been criticized quite heavily to the point of legislation for selling violent games to minors. And, uh, I mean, we've we've been through this before, multiple times. And to, to have this, like, so blatantly, like, yes, we're trying to get miners really interested in our super violent games. We're we're selling them toys with, you know, ages ten and up ratings on them. We're we're doing animated spin-offs of our of our super violent franchises. It's it's disgusting. And it, it's not it's not fundamentally different than when like Robocop and Rambo and Toxic Avenger got cartoons i guess yeah exactly
0: what I was about and like the, the the action figures like whenever like i think it was when like terminator and terminator 2 came out and there were like tv adverts with like kids playing with the terminator action figure despite the kids were all like five ten years younger too young sorry to watch the actual films it's it's not just games doing it but we are doing it and that's bad
1: it's definitely it, it kind of I kind of wonder how much of a leaf they're trying to take out of the book of things like Pokemon, because Pokemon has very successfully done this, but the thing is, Pokemon has always been kind of I mean yeah you could argue there's like kind of weird creepy elements in it, but it has generally been a kids' game from the beginning. Yeah. And it has it has evolved over time to the point where now the people who enjoyed it as kids are now adults. And so they're they're trying to find ways to make sure that adult the adult fans are still interested while keeping it very kid friendly. And they've done that very successfully and it has been for the most part pretty wholesome and acceptable. But that works with Pokemon because it's a kid's thing to begin with. You can't do that with just literally any property you have. It's yeah, not acceptable.
3: The AAA publishers don't have as many successful properties that aren't hyper-violent. Right. And Ubisoft has done this with Rabbids. Um, and it, yeah. th- they had like. Fine four seasons of the rabbits cartoon and no one complained. That's fine. Viva pinata had a couple cartoon seasons, I think for Microsoft. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think the hungry shark thing and like Rayman are like fine. It's, it's yeah, just, it's weird like, that they've decided to apply this. And I think, I think it's extra weird too, because that like, it's fine that they're applying things like hungry shark and Rayman, and they're doing that for the kids, but we have a, an example, a really good example from Adi Shankar, um, of a an anime, a, an animated cartoon directed at adults that has been very successful. We have the Castlevania anime. It's fantastic. It's not for kids. That's fine. it's yep. It's just so weird that they would go that route when we have a very good example of a kind of cartoon TV series based on an adult game property. Well, Castlevania is Castlevania is maybe a little more in the middle than watchdogs is. But again, like like it's fine. And Watch Dogs could have easily gone that route or even, I, mean, I don't know, I can see that being like a live action show that I would, you know, maybe be interested in. It's just so weird that it's a kid thing, because the other thing is all the people that already like Watch Dogs are probably not going to be all that interested in that.
0: this the thing, I love the fiction yeah. of Watch Dogs. Um, the first game hit and missed, the second game I didn't get far enough into, but the actual fiction of it, I love. So the idea of, yeah, a animated series or a live action series in that world maybe even like kind of leading up to Legion I'd have definitely been on board for that but this kind of you know kids detective series like that doesn't appeal to me a fan of the games and I can't see how it would out of the blue appeal to children who aren't aware of the games other than to get them into the games which they're not appropriate for just yeah it's yeah.
3: yeah it's it's one thing if you kind of take something that's like an R rated or M rated franchise and then you sort of expand the brand. Um, like, if, if this were just like, hey, there's going to be a Watch Dogs TV show, on network TV, at 7 o'clock. And it's going to be kind of, you know, like PG, PG-13, middle-of-the-road content like that. And it's just for all audiences. You do something like that, that becomes successful and like a real pillar of the brand. And then maybe you move it a little bit further into the kids' area. Maybe, but right now it's like you're, you're what we're trying to do is we're just, we're getting kids interested in something. And then really the, the, the fundamental pillars of how they interact with, with this brand of how this brand exists are all hyper violent video games. Yeah. And until you can change the brand identity to not just be these hyper violent video games, I think when you start having things that are aimed directly at kids, that's that's a bridge too far.
1: Yeah, weird flex, Ubisoft.
3: It's too sharp a swing. Like,
0: okay, so let's use Batman as an example. Batman can be your kind of very mature, violent, you know, blockbuster movie. Still toned down slightly, I guess, for family audiences. But some of the some of the the comic books and graphic novels can get seriously violent, seriously. Um, Graphic and are clearly aimed at a mature audience. And then you've got the silly 1960s show, which was suitable for all ages. Or you've got, I think it's Batman the Brave and Bold... I think it's like a cartoon series for kids, and you've got the Lego Batman games because that is a more adaptable franchise because it's you know its history. You know, it started off as a comic for kids and has gradually matured as that audience has matured, and it's all been a very kind of smooth curve into the different directions they wanted to take it. This is a violent swing from that's a poor pun there, violent swing. Sorry, this is a sharp swing from violent game to Saturday morning kids cartoon and. I don't think it's going to work. That's not why we brought this story up, though.
1: No, yeah, That's we really so went out. That is
0: entirely it. my fault. Rebecca, you had an excellent question based around this story. So I'm going to stop talking because clearly I derail us.
1: No, it was great. It's an important discussion. Um, I actually wanted to ask very lightheartedly, since this has been just one hell of a heavy podcast, what video game would you want to see turned into a TV series and how would it work? And I'm going to show you all up with what's already the best answer. Guys, I love cooking <laughs> shows. I've been watching an absurd amount of Great British Baking Show. I want a like, like not a cartoon, like a, li- a live cooking competition show based on Overcooked where yes. a bunch of top chefs oh my. Have, yes. To yes,
2: I am in. have
1: to create <laughs> and fill orders while there's like random treadmills or the the broom shifts around them oh that's like glorious pe- why is that not a people thing people keep running through the kitchen and taking their ingredients from them and they have to chase them down and get them back like this is what I- or on, on moving trucks this sounds great Yeah, I don't
2: really know how we are now supposed to answer that question (laughs) because you have obviously given the best answer. Because I was gonna go, (laughs) I was gonna go the more traditional route. (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna go the more traditional route, but you know, overcooked is a great idea. I was just gonna go God of War directly because imagine, like, one camera angle throughout entire episodes, no cuts. I think it would be glorious, the same way the game was glorious. But overcooked, I am sold now.
0: I think we need to get in touch with Team 17.
3: <laughs> I was going to go with like a Mortal Kombat cartoon, but then I realized they they did that and it was terrible.
1: Oh, did they? No. Yeah.
3: I was, oh. was going to say it I'm as sorry, a joke. But I'm sorry, Brendan. No.
1: I'm um, sorry.
3: Was it better or worse than the Mortal Kombat film? Oh, no. <sighs> That's a very difficult question. We don't have time <laughs> to get into that answer. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Like there's honestly, The I, I think the overcooked idea is fantastic. Sorry. Uh,
1: sorry. I should let you guys all go first. Cause I'm I, the best. I, I know.
3: It, it did kind of steal everyone's thunder. Sorry. Um, I, I think God of war would be, mm, you know, yeah. a, a really great idea for like, you know, it has the substance and it has the style and it was already such a focus on, on CG, um, and sort of those scripted moments anyways, that it, it could, It could translate really well i think those are both really good ideas personally i don't i I, i'm just kind of like let games be games i guess there's not many of them that i that i really think like man i wish i wish i could experience this in a different format a different medium. In unless... yeah, absolutely.
2: I actually agree with that too. Yeah.
3: I mean the the that
2: I don't uh, yeah, loving a game doesn't necessarily mean that I would want to see that game as a series or a film. Most of the time, it's actually the opposite. I'm I'm deep down really hoping in that no one ever adapts the latest God of War in a series because I think I will be absolutely disappointed by everything they do.
1: I think that the best ones so far, like the, the I think. You could argue that the best two adaptations so far have been the Castlevania animated series and Detective Pikachu. And I think there are many reasons why those two things succeeded. But I think one of the things they have in common is that neither of them just tried to straight up copy what the franchise was already Mm. doing. I mean, I know Detective Pikachu had a game and it kind of loosely follows that story, but both of them are just really kind of like, like the, the Castlevania animated series is sort of based on several Castlevania games, but it goes just kind of way far outside the bounds of them and brings in other characters and it does a bunch of other really cool things. They're not trying to just copy the games into a TV or movie format. They're, they're kind of doing their own thing within that universe. So the people who are already fans can enjoy it and find all sorts of little Easter eggs and things that they can get excited about. But then other people who are maybe not familiar can still enjoy it on the level it, it, it's a TV or a movie first. It's not a video game adaptation of a, Or it's not a TV or movie adaptation of a video game.
0: I think there are some franchises where like, there is enough of the lore that lend themselves to standalone stories. So if you'd have asked me this question, what, 10 years ago, I'd have said Mass Effect because I loved reading uh, the Dark Horse comics. They wrote, they wrote a bunch of like spin-off stories and those were fantastic. They really gave you like more adventures in the world without having to stand in an elevator and wait for things to load. Um, I read a couple of the books and they were also great. They kind of expanded, you know, like just different stories, different elements of the world that really kind of built out the, just the, the things you only kind of get a brief glimpse of in the games. So something like that, I would have enjoyed. I think that would have worked well both as an animated and a, a live action. I remember watching there was a there was a Mass Effect film. There was a Mass Effect three anime film that was a prequel to three, and that was really good. So I'd have gone. I'd have said Mass Effect three years ago. Uh, sorry, ten years ago. But unfortunately, that franchise is dead. So overcooked, yeah. overcooked for me.
2: Sad. <laughs> yeah, overcooked
0: marvellous well with uh, rebecca just completely trouncing all of us with her own question um sorry <laughs> that is all we've got time for this <laughs> week uh we'll be back next week with uh, a bit of a different episode hopefully plus your usual news show hopefully um in the meantime you can go back and listen to all previous episodes uh on your podcasting platform of choice and while you're there why not like subscribe and uh give us a review why not it's a better way to help more people discover the show you can find all of your daily dose of news analysis and insight into the world behind video games as usual at gamesindustry.biz